Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's amazing to have you with us this morning. We are kicking off a new series. We preach in series here most times, and whether they're sometimes three weeks, four weeks, we've just done all for the one, three weeks in the heart of Luke 15, and we're kicking off a few weeks in this series called Devoted, and I'll give you a little bit more context as we go, but I think from the video, you've seen the role of community in these things. What does it mean to be devoted to something, to someone, to a cause, to a reality, to something that grips your heart? I've had many devotions in my life. I've stated many devotions. One of them was every year around June, July, or January, let me get it right, January the 3rd. It's called Year of the Athlete. And if you've been a Facebook friend of mine, you know what it means. It means every year I'm going to become an athlete this year. And I'm going to devote myself to healthy eating. I'm going to devote myself to early hours of running on a road. I'm going to devote myself to a year of becoming the finely tuned athlete God actually had intended when he spoke it into being and said there will be a mark. And by January the 12th, I'm still doing strong generally. This year, I mean, into March, things were looking good. But then in April, the weather starts changing and it gets colder. And Omar Rusks and Milo become the issue of my devotion. And I realize I'm far more devoted to Milo than I ever was to Year of the Athletes. And my heart is exposed. But devotion is generally something you throw yourself into. In my life, I've been married for 14 years, and devotion has grown in those years. In the early years when we were dating, Candace and I, um, she was working long hours. I was working during the day. I would study at night um, from on a thir- Monday to Thursday from Hoppers 5 to Hoppers 9 every night. Saturdays, I would have studies, and Sundays, I'd be involved in band at church. So life was pretty busy, but I was devoted to this girl. I fell in love with her far quicker than she did for me. Unfortunately, that's just how it goes sometimes, and you realize you've got to go after a few things. And um, in our journey, I would, but I'd finish our studies, hop us now, and the only thing I wanted to do was get to her house just so I could say hello, just so I could see her, just so I could be in her presence for a little bit before I went home, and life continued. Then you get married and devotion continues. You make some promises in front of a whole bunch of witnesses. If you go to a wedding, you're not just there to eat the food. I know some of you are like, no, I am. No, you're not. Especially you single guys, you're not there. You're going to be there that when your mate down the line forgets a few things that he promised and said, you are the witness to those vows. And I made some vows and I had some witnesses and I realized my devotion couldn't get smaller. It got bigger and it had to grow with the promises that I had made. And whether times are good or times are tough, whether we're healthy or whether we're sick, whether there's money in the bank or there's not, whether there's friends at the door or there's not, I am devoted to this person I've made these promises to. Devotion costs. It means I've had to say no to other things. And it means you say yes to this thing ongoingly. It means our life choices change. I'm now a married man at 24 years old. My mates are like, you are nuts getting married at 24. You're mad. But I knew that my heart had been given to this person. I knew I wanted to spend my forever with this person. I knew that my heart was linked. And and so the choices were easy. For others, they would have been difficult. But because my heart was devoted to something, the cost didn't seem like much of a cost at the time. And people devote their lives to careers. And I get it. I, I worked in a corporate space for nine years where people gave their lives. And it's powerful. And there's incredible power there. 
One guy I was sitting with this week, and he was saying, where are we going with the preaching? I said, well, we're going to do a series um, around devoted. He said, the only thing I'm devoted to is my singleness. I'm like, okay, awesome. That's cool. That's awesome. But I've met some people that have passions deep inside of it, that devotions dictate their decisions, and they dictate how they live life and why they live life. Not That seems so countercultural to the world. I've met one of these people. I've walked for about 20 years in, in the same church as a lady named Rosie Binder. And Rosie Binder had two kids later on after 35, and then her husband begged her for a third. He, like, begged her. And she was a doctor, and she wanted to get back into a game because she loved what she did. And she said, nah, we've got, like, a one-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. She said, one more. And out came three boys, identical triplets. Five kids under four-and-a-half, and they just bought a two-and-a-half-bedroom flat. And then you know what happened? Gavin, her husband, had a stroke. That's not funny. <laughs> Sorry. I realize being pregnant, that could seem funny right now, but it's not funny. And uh, I won't tell Gavin. But, um, but Gavin lost some of his ability to do some of his work. And so now you've got a lady with a passion in her heart and a desire to help the most broken people through medical field. You've got five kids under the age of four and a half, and you've got a husband who can't do his field of work because he's been impaired through a stroke. But something gripped her, you know, and I remember her coming and talking to us as a leadership of a church, and she said to me, I love being with the most broken, and I love being in the operating room when we're healing bodies that have just been broken. So Rosie Binder, with her four kids and her husband and all the realities of their world, leads a team of doctors who care into Syria when they're bombing the right next door. Climbs in the middle of the night through a river over terrain so she can get to where the broken and the bruised are because there was devotion inside of her to the mission and the mandate and the call upon her life. And many said, it's going to cost you too much. You're putting your family at risk. You're doing all these things. But we're now 10 years further down the line and there's just been fruitfulness. There's been impact. She's been on the news. She's had influence for the king and for his kingdom. And many, we unfortunately live in a world where those costs seem so big now. We live in a world where people count the cost very early on, and they count the cost of marriage. So because there's a new normal in the world called, what we're going to do is we're going to test drive like we test drive a car, or we're going to buy a suit, we use it for the wedding and take it back. Kind of, that's the world we live in. So we're going to do that in marriage, and relationships. We're going to have sex without strings for the first 17 years, and if it works out, we're going to get married and think about it. I mean, and if that's you, please be free. I'm just telling you, that's the normal in the world. The Bible presents a different reality. The Bible presents different truths. And the Bible says, there's so much more for you. There's a lot for you. And it navigates. And we live in a world of one night stands, not just in the world of sexuality, but in the church. I've had people come up to me and say, it's really cool. Just want to give you feedback. They've been here for two weeks. They give me like an out of 10 for my preaching, the worship, a whole bunch of stuff. And, said, and then I said, well, are you here? Or like, it seems like you're investing. Now I'm dating the church. And, and, and it's, it's an interesting statement that it's quite a revealing statement. Maybe you've said it. It's this concept that, well, I'm just going to check it out. And if it meets all my criteria, I know people who do that with looking for a spouse, but it takes a long time to find someone who's going to tick every box. Now he says, actually, I want you to be a part of something. I want you to get involved in something. I want you to sow and be devoted to something to bring the change, to bring the life and to release the life that God has for us. And so this series is addressing some wrong thinking and worldly norms that enter into the church and challenge us. One of them is this concept, well, it's me and my Jesus. It's just, it's just me and my Jesus, just Jesus and I. 
We're going to do this thing. So I can literally sit in my room, and, and as long as I've got my Bible and my Jesus, I'm fine. And I would say to you, so and ma'am, if that's where you've allowed your thinking to go, you're wrong. Because that's not the Bible. Jesus comes and models something. He models, he says, actually, what I'm going to do, I'm going to immerse myself in 12 guys, messed up guys. Guys are going to deny me when it all goes down. Guys are going to mess it up. I'm going to invest myself in them. Why? Because I want the kingdom to keep advancing and I want to do it in a relational way. So I'm going to walk the streets with them. You know what I would have done if I were to Jesus? I say, guys, I'll see you on the other side of the dam. Poof, gone. These oaks are like walking. Oh, Jesus always does this. Like it's 40 degrees in the desert. They get there, they're thirsty. Jesus asks, oh, is it? It's great to see you guys. Actually, I'll tell you what, we actually need to be in Jerusalem now. Can you go there? I'll see you there. Poof, he's gone. It's like, flip, Jesus always does this. I mean, I know he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. No, that wasn't what he did. He walked in the dirt and the dust so they could engage with his mates. That's why when we go on road trips together, hearts link because you find things out you never would have found out unless you spend time together. And then you navigate life together. And then he disciples these guys. And there's the big why. And God says, at the beginning, he says, let us make man in our image. The journey isn't to become the best version of me. The verge of the... The journey is to become the best version that is in Jesus' heart for me. And that version is for me to become like him. And the problem is we have some cultures in our world which are loud and they're shouting and it's all about you and it's your story and it's individualistic and a whole bunch of stuff and, and even team sports are becoming about identities and persons and, and you watch an NBA, uh, NFL football game and it's this quarterback's playing this quarterback. No, they're 50 dudes in a, in, a, in, a rugby, in a NFL team. But it's all about the individual. It's celebration of the individual. And I'm telling you, the gospel doesn't celebrate that. The gospel says... We are God, let us make man in our image. Why? Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect community, in perfect relationship, completely satisfying their relationships, graciously allow us to join the dance of the Trinity and become part of a story called the gospel and the advancing of the kingdom of God. And God paints this picture for us and he says, actually, why do I know it's not good to be alone? And everyone says, it's me and my Bible. Well, sir, I'm going to challenge you because Adam was walking on earth and God says to him, it's not good for man to be alone and makes him a wife. Let's just rewind. Was Adam alone? He wasn't alone. God was with him perfectly. He was with him in the garden. He walked with him. He talked with him. He spoke to him. God was with him. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone on this earth. To do life alone. To do life without people to share it with. And so he adds women and relationships beyond that so that we can do life together. And there is this redemptive story, man to God and man to man. That's why the first issue outside of the garden, what is it? Two brothers have a box. One brother takes a stone. It's happened in my house often. Just not to the same extent and a smaller stone. But that story happens about every day in my house. And then I come and say, you meant to be looking, aren't you your brother's keeper? Well, my son wouldn't know what that means. So I say to him, aren't you supposed to look after him? He's four. He says, why? He's your son. <laughs> I've had that said. I remember we were driving on the, uh, doing a long distance drive in Kansas. Judah, why don't you just get Daniel's bottle? Get, he says, he's not my child. He's your child. <laughs> and we just laughed. 
our heads off. Because that might have been the response of a five-year-old, but the response of most of us when we get in trouble, it's the response of this world. Whoa, you were my best mate for so long, but sorry, your situation has changed and you are no longer beneficial to me. That's the world we live in. And they're gone. And, and our kids, are, we're best mates, but then our kids fall out, so we're not best mates. I'm like, it's the only thing we had. In the, no. But God says there's something more, and he challenges us, and there's this mandate for believers to become like Jesus. Who was Jesus? He didn't have commitment issues. He said, I so love these people who will deny me, they will reject me, and I love them so much, I'm going to commit to dying on a cross. We live in a world of commitment issues. The only thing people can commit to are their commitment issues. So we, in LinkedIn, I put up a picture of a bacon and egg breakfast, my favorite breakfast. The problem is the pig was committed. The bacon, the egg wasn't. The chicken, not so much. Still running around. So that needs a picture to work. Um, but thank you. Thank you for laughing. Um, but, but you say, Mark, I don't want to go on that journey. I've been hurt by people. I've been hurt in the church. Yo, jump in line. I spent 20 years in one church. Do you think I didn't get offended? No one offended me more than the guy who led the church, who was the same guy who then said, I actually think you're called to leave business and go into ministry. I'm going, but you've hurt me. You didn't get back to my call. <laughs> I'm being honest. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I sent him that 17-minute voice note and he didn't get back to me. It's like, ask Louise. Send it shorter. <laughs> I'm not listening to your 17-minute voice notes. Anyway, that's just a confession. <laughs> now we're getting honest. <laughs> I have three kids. <laughs> Sometimes I'd rather listen to your 17-minute voice note. But, um, but we have these ways that we learn through experience. But I'm telling you, the, we cannot be determined in the life we live by experience. We are determined by who God is and what He says He's calling us to be. Now that challenges us our ways. Let me, I, I, need, a, I need an example. Wayne, no, come up here, buddy. You did so well in the first service. But sometimes it's easier to look at something else and then see the truth in it. So let's look at some animals that I think reflect our ways and the ways of this world. I think it's helpful. The first one is the tortoise. Can you do a tortoise, Wayne? <laughs> Just, everyone loves a the tortoise. They don't really snap at you. They're kind of, they're all good. And the tortoise... And so we, uh, we're doing relationships. I'm, a, I'm also a tortoise right now. And we're like, hello, Wayne, the tortoise. And then I, I, I just say, I just say, I say, Wayne, Wayne, um, I just, you know, we were late for tortoise church this morning. And, and you were late, specifically you were 15 minutes late. I just, you weren't serving and it wasn't very honoring of your team. And um, Wayne, where you going? Wayne, I'm talking to you. Wayne. Wayne. Knock. Hello? Now, it's funny, but we do it. And the minute any challenge comes, and the minute there are any relational issues, we just whoop. I'm safe in my show. I'm here, but I'm not really here. Let's be honest. You see it in the marketplace. You see it everywhere. And it comes into the church. And Jesus says, I want to deal with some of that stuff. I want to teach you how to do healthy, courageous conflict. 
So we're going to talk about that in this series. I want to give you some skills. I want to give you some courage to have tough conversations, not just in the church, but in the world. And it advances the kingdom when we do that because people feel honored when we have honest conversations. There's this weird concept in South Africa that to honor is just to go, yes, boss, and no, boss, and ja, corporal, of near corporal. And that's honor. That's not honor. Because inside of my heart says, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to do everything to offend you, but I'm going to say yes. That's not the kingdom. And then there's some other animals that show us actually some of the things. The second one is actually a little bit of conflict comes in, and I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to be like a hare. What does a hare do when a little bit of challenge comes? What does a hare do, Anna? I'm not sure what that is, but yes. <laughs> yes. And he's gone, and you, you've had one half a conversation. There's one moment, and, and, and the hair, the problem with the hair is the hair keeps doing that. And let's just get very honest and very real. There are about 28 churches within about four square kilometers of this church. I pray for every single one of them whenever I get the chance. And there is a ping pong dynamic between the churches because the hair takes over every time there's some challenge. And God says, I want to get inside of that brokenness and bring healing so you can play a part in a family for the advancing of the kingdom of God and stop doing the hair. One more time. (laughs) I'm trying to teach us. I'm trying to help us because I've spent most of my life in church and I've seen this thing destroy relationships that had potential for world changing in them because the kingdom of God was in them. And if we could deal with some of these ways, what about the snake, Wayna? When it feels like someone's coming and they're just, they're just having a bite. You see, let me just, before he shows you what the snake does, what you don't know is, um, is that, um, could you stop doing that? I can't talk. Sorry. And uh, what you don't know is, you don't know that their wife's not well. You don't know that they've just had a car crash. You don't know that there's no money in the bank. You don't know that their kids are sick. You don't know what's going on in the world. So they might come out and snap at you a little bit, and it might not be justified. And you feel completely justified in doing what, Wayna? Havel. And so you strike back because you've learned a way of the world, which is to strike back. And I'm telling you, it's the way of the world. Who is Jesus? He was led to the slaughter and he made no sound. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, he made no sound. My my job is not to make you a better person of this world. My job is to make you like Jesus, to show you what he's like and you make the choices to become like him. My job is not to make you comfortable in who you are in every way and position a gospel that works for you. My job is to preach the gospel of who Jesus is. And when we do that, we will see signs and wonders. We will see the kingdom of God advance. We will see things we never thought possible. What about the last one, the turkey, my personal favorite? And life gets big and challenges get big. And so so some people get big. They get big and it's... It's next minute, there's this, the, you got it, there's a thing going here, and it's this, it's, 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 it's. and we just, we just get big on each other. It's like, that was weird. Um, but we get big on each other. It's like, you're going to get big, I'm going to get big. Some of you are big business people, and you sit in big boardrooms, and there's a, there's a culture of the biggest voice wins, the biggest personality, the guy who makes himself the biggest. I've got this many degrees. I've got this many stories. I've got this many testimonies. It's not the way of the kingdom. 
the brothers are sitting next to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want to sit next to you at the seat, the highest place next to the Father. And Jesus says, guys, you don't even know what you're asking for. If I were Jesus, simple, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. What does Jesus do? He looks at them with compassion in his eyes. Say, I totally get it. I understand. But let me tell you how you navigate that road. You become like a servant. And he tenderly leads them. These things are so important, guys. Why? Because the birthing of the church is, Acts 2, you see the disciples, they get filled with the Spirit of God. And the power of God enters the story. The story has changed. And a wimp like Peter, who was a wimp, rises up in faith, preaches a gospel of repentance, and 3,000 people who had come to the city to celebrate the harvest, 3,000 people from all different backgrounds, 3,000 people from different stories, different cultures, different everything, land up and they get saved instantly. There was no welcome to church dynamic. There was no, you're going to join this track and this track's going to tell you how to become a Christian and do church. There were no manuals. There was no cum bookstores. There was no Google. How do I join a church? How do I be a Christian? There wasn't even the word Christian. It was just called the way. And this happens. And then they, by the Spirit of God, begin to plant and plant the first church ever. And you know, there's a rule of first thought. When, when something is brought forward for the first time, it becomes something of a precedent that every other idea and concept, every time the church is spoken about, every way you build the church is built of this revelation, which is not a prescription of every detail of the church, but it is a description of the life of what God births. Jesus came to birth a new family, a supernatural family, a family that looks more like heaven than earth, where we don't relate like the four animals we've seen. Can I give you one more? While I'm there, because I was watching National Geographic with my kids, it's called the pebble frog. I was fascinated by the pebble frog. The pebble frog, when it gets harassed by a predator, it's God designed. It's beautiful. It's God designed is to run to the end of a cliff because it lives on mountains, make itself hard, and throw itself off a cliff and bounces down like a pebble. And you just see the slow-mo footage up front of this like frog just bouncing. Lands at the bottom, stiff for a few seconds, then goes, well, I'm safe. I think some people do that. Make themselves really tough, really strong, really hard, and just throw themselves off the cliff. And don't know where they're going to land. Jesus, I want to get inside me because I didn't make you to be a pebble frog. I made you to be like Jesus. I made you with an ability to change. I gave you the ability in my spirit inside of you to reveal something of heaven. I want that. It's hard sometimes, guys. It's hard. I had a major, major altercation with a leader in my church when I was a young man. And I was completely justified. And I walked up to another leader, honest truth, this is how real sometimes, and I said, where is he? I'm going to headbutt him. Let's just use that. Because I was angry. You know what that leader did say? He said, that's fine. Leave it with me. He went, he got that other leader up against the wall and said, if you ever do anything like that again to the bride, I will my personal self. Now, maybe that will freak you out. But you know what security that brings to a young man who every insecurity is riled up when a leader backs them, when there's a confidence and courage to navigate relationships together. And that man planted a church in America, the guy that I had an issue with, we are friends today. After a major fallout. Please don't think, oh, Mark, must he loves the church so much because no one's ever offended him. No one's ever taken a strip out of him. No one's ever judged his family. That's rubbish. It happens every week. 
And I'm totally cool with it because I know it's the way of the world, but my job is to call us to something more. And God calls us to the story. I want to read from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read because I've given you the context. 3,000 people get saved. And Acts chapter 2 says this, a description of healthy life. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, 3,000 brand new converts, were together and have everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who in need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily. How awesome is that? I read that, I'm going, God, there was something of that when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. And I went to a church that met in a circus tent. And we would leave church. I was covered in dust after worship. I'm asthmatic. Dust is not my thing. And I would go there and I'd go there week after week and sit in a circus tent of dust. Why? Because there was living water for me there. And the relationships were real there. And people challenged me as a young man. When my parents were far away on a farm, I would have older brothers who would come and say, there's so much more for you. You need to shake off some of these childish ways sometimes. Strong words. And I'm so grateful for those men and women who spoke into my life. But here's the truth. I made myself available. I kept on going back. I didn't go down to the church down the road with aircon and comfy seats, even though I wanted to. Because I knew that there was living water for me in this house. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Church, partnership, whatever you want to call it, is not a life sentence. It's anything but. You hold the keys to the back door of this church, not me. You hold the keys to the back door of this church, but I don't ever want anyone to use the back door. And when guys want to leave the church, honestly, everything inside of me, as long as they are going to another community and getting knitted, is stoked. But here's what I want to do. And I challenge people, and not everyone wants to respond to the challenge, saying, bud, you've been here for years. You've, you've plowed, you've sowed seed. You've received so much. Why don't we get you up in front of the church and celebrate you leaving, even if you're going to the church 300 meters down the road? Honestly, and people slide out the back door like the hare, like the tortoise, like the snake, and start justifying why they need to live. You don't need to stay here for the rest of your life. But when there is living water for you, get knitted in and devote yourself to something of heaven. Because in the world we live, it's all about us. And there's this kind of me and my Jesus philosophy in the church. It's all about me and my Jesus. As long as I devote myself to God, which there are more scriptures about. Let me be brutally honest. From Genesis to Revelation, there are tons of scriptures about devoting yourself to God. And then there's this picture of first mention of the church, and it says, they devoted themselves. And you know what they devoted themselves to? A whole bunch of amazing things. To fellowship. Fellowship to me, it doesn't mean we're best mates. It means we fellow in the ship that is Jesus. We're just a bunch of fellows in a ship that carries us amongst the storm, and his name is Jesus. It's his blood and his everything that forms a community. It says they got together, the breaking of bread. They remember Jesus. I, I remember I went to a Christmas dinner that we had every year from about 21, 22, when a group of young couples started dating, and then they all got married, and they got jobs, and they got money. So the dinners went from kind of bring and share to a braai with some meat to a braai with more meat to a fancy restaurant by the time we were 26 or 27. 
But you know what happened? The conversations went from, you won't believe what Jesus did this week. You won't believe what Jesus did last week. Yeah, we're doing fine. We're okay. Yes, we've just bought so many properties this year. But it wasn't the properties that brought us together. So I called my mates together, just the guys, four of them. I said, I absolutely love you guys. But the reason we became friends was not how many properties you bought. The reason we became friends was not about your net asset value. The reason we became friends is because Jesus gripped your heart and he gripped mine and he put us together and said, you're going to run with each other. And we're not talking about how your marriage is. We're not talking about the fact that you can't fall pregnant. And we're not praying together. We've got to get back there because we've lost something. We've got more money in the bank and more possibilities ahead of us. But if we've lost that, we've lost too much. It's not an easy conversation to have. That was nine years ago. All of those guys phone me regularly and I don't live in the same city as them. Why? Because God did something in our hearts. Because God calls us to a story and God's called you to a story and maybe you whilst in the doors of this church because someone forced you, that's okay. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. Maybe you came because there's free coffee. I could not be happier you are here. But I want to tell you there's something that's different to this world. It's called the community of Christ. Where Jesus is spirit is in, and we can get over prejudices and smallnesses and walls that build themselves up to be such big things, but they're actually not because at one word of his voice, they are gone. That's why forgiveness is possible for all. Oh, Mark, you don't know what's happened to me. I've heard some of the most gruesome stories of rape and abuse and, and, and just abandonment, and I've watched people navigate some of those journeys through the power of Christ. You cannot do it alone, and you need people to do it with you. And there is this dynamic of devoting yourself to God, but I'm telling you the way to devote yourself to God is to do it in community. Not a Facebook community where you poke each other on Facebook or send a message, happy birthday once a year, so we're friends. Those friends don't come running when your marriage is in trouble, and you're definitely not telling them your marriage is in trouble. Maybe you are one of those folks. Husband, terrible today. I don't know. Maybe that's your vibe. It's not mine. When things aren't going well, you know what I want to do? I want to tortoise sometimes. I just, I just need space. And I've got to come out and say, I'm telling you guys, my wife and I need some of you to help her hold up our hands right now. We need that. There are little kids and things have been tough and health's not good. I need you to hold up my hands. But they don't know unless you tell them. And then people make statements like, you didn't call. No one's calling, and I'm saying it's not true. It's not true. And I'm just telling you, I'm not fighting people leaving the church. If anything, our church is growing. But I'm very aware that relationships unnavigated don't facilitate the fullness of God that He wants for us. And I want heaven to touch earth. You know what this church saw? It says everyone was in awe. Everyone, not just the Christians, everyone. It says they saw signs and wonders and miracles. I want to see miracles. I want to see people coming to this place because they have cancer and they've heard that there's a community of faith who have such honor in their relationships that they are honest with each other. And because of that, God blesses them with this presence that is in the middle of them. And in the middle of them, people can get healed. And I want to be in the middle of them. I don't know why. It's called the community of Christ. But it demands something. And all the, the salvations says people added to their number daily. I want that. It says uh, they had favor with all. Not just the church. 
They had favor with all. I'm praying for a man this morning who's waiting for visas from home affairs. I'm going, the Bible says, if you devote yourself to communion, this man has served and loved. I'm saying, the Bible says you will have favor. Favor with all. I want all of those things. But there's this line at the top that just says this. They devoted themselves. Oh, Mark, you're trying to get off the hook. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You have to devote yourself. It's not my job to chase people to church, and I never will, and I never have, and I never will. It's not my job to chase people into serving Christ. That's your decision. It's not my job for us to have faith and courage to pioneer together. My job is to show you Jesus. Your job is to respond to Jesus. Don't become like me. It's too low a level. Become like Jesus. I have insecurities. This morning, I asked my wife, how do I look? I put a button-up shirt on for the first time in the year. She went, ah, maybe. It's like, what does maybe mean? That's not an answer. We've all got insecurities. We've all got brokennesses. We've all got times. We want a tortoise. We want a hare. We want a snake. We want a turkey. Every single one of us become like Jesus, who said, actually, I so love the perfection of heaven but I've got to show them it. So I'm going to immerse myself amongst them for 30 years. And I'm going to experience prejudice. I'm going to experience pain. And I'll experience a whole bunch of stuff. Why? Because I want to show them I can't do this long distance and neither can they. And I've got, uh, I'm concerned about the age. You will find 100 preachers better than me in 20 minutes of leaving this church if you go on podcast. I promise you. I can tell you their names, but you know what you won't find? The community of Christ who will pray with you when things are down. You won't find the people come running even when you don't want them to be there. You won't find the people like Jen who are in the lowest moment of pain. Find a community who ran to them and honored their request for comfort and held on to their husband. You won't find that on the internet, sir, man. You won't find that. You won't find the fact that you know my wife and you can see her and if she's not looking good, you can tell me and you must challenge me. And I'll tell you, she's not here today because she's not well. And we'll do life together because that's what it's called. It's called the church. It's not a meeting. It's not a schedule. It's not a moment on a Sunday. It's called the community of Christ. And it says they devoted themselves every day. I make a decision to devote myself to you. It's not my job. I could have a better job that pays more, that gives me more freedom and allows me to do things that I want to do in my carnal heart. But God called me to be a part of this story. He said, devote yourself. And he's calling you for your good and for the advancing of the kingdom of God because there's so much potential inside of you. And I'm telling you, moments with God on your own for the rest of your life, you won't maximize the potential inside of you. But brothers and sisters alongside, rubbing up, giving opportunities for the tortoise, the hare, the snake, and the turkey. And as we deal with our tortoise, our hares, our snakes, and our turkeys, because we all turkeys sometimes, God says, I'm making you more like Jesus, and I'm revealing the kingdom of heaven on a world that only knows broken relationships. And I'm going to send you out to do the same. And you know what? You're going to go honor that boss who doesn't honor you. You're going to go love him when he doesn't give you the increase he promised you. And you know what happens? The kingdom of God starts coming in ways you cannot believe. And people start getting saved and favor starts being found. It's just called the church. And this series, every week we're going to show you testimonies of just people in this church. 
That year was the year Wayne and Jen said, we'll become elders in this church. In the year they made a big call to sacrifice for a community, that year they lost two babies in their womb. They lost a dream of their heart. And they still said, we'll put our hands up to love this people. It put such courage in my soul. And we need each other. You need more than Sunday preaching. You need moments around tables where we share life and meals. And I want to eat some of the food from some of your countries that I haven't eaten before because it's so beautiful. And I want to taste different cultures and I want to sit around tables and I want to be around Beth who's turned 80 this week who is full of life and courage and drives a funky little car because she brings life to my soul. I'm less than half her age and she is full of life. I'm going, I want to be like you when I'm 80. I'm not sure I was supposed to tell you she's 80. Don't look there, because Beth's not there. But um, are you catching my heart? This is not a preaching series. This is not a rebuke. This is every Bible book that Paul wrote and Peter wrote, they wrote with a concern of a pastor. I'm concerned that even as we start doing things better, which we're supposed to do, to reach far, that you have the potential to start attracting consumers. And I'm telling you, we can't be consumers of the gospel. God has called us to be partakers of the perfect dance of the Trinity. And it's holy, and it'll change this world if we allow it to. I preach with passion because I love you, and I want everything God wants for you. I don't know what that all is, but I know it'll be on the other side of they devoted themselves. Can I pray? Jesus, I'm so grateful for what you've already done and continue to do in this community. I I feel so privileged that in, in this room, even as I look over this room, I know some people are in real pain. I know some people have just got promotions. I know there's some people who couldn't be here this morning because their two-year-old daughter had a lumbar punch and they worried it might be a, a grave disease. And all of that pulled my heart a million ways. And yet I know that you are king seated on your throne and you are building your church and you love your people and you have your eye on every one of them. And yet, God, you say, would you devote yourself to something bigger than yourself? something different to what the world devotes themselves to. It's called the church. It's not perfect. Actually, it's completely imperfect. And yet I am pouring myself into it. And you were prepared to die for your church. This is not a call for serving. This is not a call for greater participation. This is none of that. This is an imploring of a truth. And the truth is on the other side of each and every one of us devoting ourselves to doing life together. There is the power of heaven released to a world that so desperately needs it. And so I pray, Spirit of God, shift us and shape us and move us. I pray where people are listening to this message and say, I want to do that, but I can't stop running from confrontational scenarios. I pray for strength, courage, healing, and wholeness to come. I pray for others who know, actually, my defense mechanism is to fight back. I fight back, and it's the easiest way. It's the only thing I know because I grew up in a home of a fighter as a father, so I've learned to fight. I want to say, Sir, man, take your eyes off a father. Take your eyes off mess and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter, and pioneer of your faith. 
and the one you'll worship for eternity. I pray, Spirit of God, lead us, guide us, show us. We are your people. This is your church. And we're going to spend eternity worshiping you. So teach us how to do it well now. That you would get all the glory. That the broken and the lost would find a place that is different to this world. That men and women in this community would find favor in areas others can't just because they devoted themselves. We worship you, Jesus. We give you praise and honor and glory this morning.